Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing. Welcome to the 1,000 Recording Podcast, episode number two, and uh, I am your host, Anthony Joseph Landman, and I'm joined, as I am every week, by the right honorable mitchell davis <laughs> okay <laughs> what's up mitch hey man it's, it's good to talk to you again yeah yeah good to be back and um we've got some uh cool stuff this week some really interesting stuff some really diverse stuff i mean this is basically the our adams show um because all the artists basically are are adams except the last one cannonball adderley so yeah. this week we have uh couple albums from contemporary classical composer John Adams, and uh, we've got an album from Johnny Adams, a uh, kind of blues R&B singer. Uh, we've got an album of Ryan Adams, and then an album of the Cannonball Adderley Quintet. Uh, yeah, um, so let's, I don't know, let's just get right into the music. Yeah. Yeah. So John Adams. So <laughs> what's uh what's your uh previous um experience with John Adams, if any? Very very little. I, I know he, he had scored some movies and um you know, I, I I I'm familiar with his name. I, I, I wanted to get him confused with the guy who did the the composition I, I wanna say for Star Wars and I, I know that's that's probably not right. Um, yeah, that was John Williams. Yeah, John Williams. You know, I I just wanted to put two Johns together, and I was like, <laughs> I, it's not the same guy. But but very you know unfamiliar with with him up until this point. And uh, you know, after we I listened to the tracks that uh, were uh, mentioned in the book, you know, I, I enjoyed what he uh, what he what he did. I mean, it was it was a lot of what I thought of as you know some great orchestral stuff in in the vocal sense and you know i i loved harmoniums uh stuff the selections off of that 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 was that was great yeah so we're going to start with um his album or his piece really i mean so this is an entire piece that takes up an entire album um called harmonium for large orchestra and large choir and this piece was composed in uh, 1980 to 1981 uh in three movements it's really kind of a a large choral symphony i mean really just it's not called a symphony but really that's what it is um it's three movements uh set to poetry of john dunn and emily dickinson Mm -hmm. um and uh i pulled two excerpts one from the first movement negative love and this yeah. is the poem of John Donne. And then the second one uh, from the third movement, Wild Nights of Emily Dickinson. And uh, John Adams is one of the big three minimalists. So um, this movement that started in the 60s in classical music, minimalism. And uh, the big three of that movement were uh, Philip Glass, Steve Reich, and John Adams. And... Uh, John Adams uh, really, 
I've always thought of him as the least minimalist of all the minimalism. And, and really, I mean, w- uh, what he did, uh, especially after the 80s, is really no longer minimalist. But once you're kind of branded, it's really hard to... Uh, get away from it. Yeah, to get away from it, yeah. Um, and really, I'd say the only person who's really still doing minimal stuff is maybe maybe Philip Glass. I mean, uh, Steve Reich and John Adams both kind of moved away from that a while ago. But that's uh, that's how he made his name, this stuff. And uh, definitely there's still minimalism in this music. And one aspect of this track that we're going to play um, that's really kind of endemic to uh, John Adams' music is this strong pulse. Now, I mean... Most people would say, well, the music's got a pulse, so what? Um, in, in classical music in the 20th century, for a lot of it, that pulse was eliminated. So a lot of that music was really kind of arrhythmic. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't really have a strong sense of pulse, a strong sense of beat. And uh, minimalism kind of brought that back to classical music. Um, so... Yeah, so I mean, this music is, I think, a lot more accessible than a lot of other contemporary classical stuff. Um, Yeah, so the the words that they're singing, John Donne, this guy was a Renaissance British poet. Um, So he wrote poetry kind of in the vein of of Shakespeare. He was kind of uh, contemporary with Shakespeare, but even, I think, a little more cryptic. And hard to understand <laughs> than uh, than uh, Shakespeare. So um, yeah, this this example is uh, he's got a strong pulse, sort of a strong build toward mm-hmm. the choir part, kind of exciting. Yeah, anything? yeah, I, I definitely noticed that too. It, it's it's got a really nice undercurrent with the the vocal. It's like an army of vocals. I, I that's the one thing I loved about that. It's just it's like a wall that comes towards you like a wave. I I, I love the the, the choral sound on that that first track I think it's negative love that that was really awesome yeah so uh yeah let's check it out um this track from John Adams harmonium from the first movement negative love. Yeah. 
That was Negative Love of John Adams from his album uh, Harmonium. And uh, we're going to move on to an excerpt from the third movement of that piece, Wild Nights. Um, This is a really, to me, just a really exciting movement. Um, Well, I don't know. Let's. Do you want to say something about it first, or? (laughs) Well, it was my first time just listening to it, and I enjoyed it too. Just um, you know, like you said, it it, it was exciting. You know, and and for what I know about classical music, which is you know little of nothing, I I just love the harmony of it. You know, I, I love the arrangement. You know, and I mean, it it wasn't you know something that was so complicated where I had to you know sift through it. I mean, I. I liked it from the first moment I heard it. Yeah. 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 It's easily easy to like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he does an awesome job at um, setting this poem, this poem of Emily Dickinson, Wild Nights. And Emily Dickinson was, uh, if you guys don't know, a 19th century American poet. She was a really reclusive figure. I mean, she hardly ever left her bedroom. Uh, She really didn't have any real relationships with people other than through like letter writing. And so basically what she did is she just lived inside her head pretty much and wrote poetry um, in her room. And this poem, Wild Nights, is uh, kind of her living out this fantasy in her head of, you know, having this wild time, this sort of really... Uh, you know, sort of sexually charged, um, wild time, this thing that, you know, never happened in her life, you know, to her, not even close, you know, it's just like a fantastic fantasy of hers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, um, Adams did a great job at, I don't know, portraying that in music. So this movement starts off with just this really slow buildup and it starts at the very beginning of the movement at the very, very bottom of the orchestra, so just the double basses and the cellos, and it just slowly sort of works its way up and register through the whole orchestra and then hits this point where it's almost like the orchestra just explodes in this, like, you know, this giant explosion of sound and color, and that's when the choir just starts almost screaming, you know, wild nights, wild nights. It's it's really kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, I- yeah. So, yeah, let's just, let's check it out. This uh, excerpt from John Adams' Wild Nights.
All right, that was Wild Nights by John Adams. And, um, uh, yeah, I just love that, man. The, uh, the next album that we're going to move on to is, again, um, another album of John Adams. And I thought it was... I thought it was interesting that Tom Moon would choose, you know, if he was going to put a John Adams opera in here, I thought it was interesting that he chose this one because John Adams, the the opera that everyone talks about, the most famous one of his is an opera called Nixon in China. And Mm -hmm. um, that, that definitely is his most famous opera. Um, This one is a little less known, uh, and I've never seen, I mean, I've never even heard it before, you know, we did this for the show. Um, a little bit about it, this opera called Death of Klinghoffer. Um, John Adams likes to do these operas on really contemporary stuff that happens. So, you know, his opera of Nixon in China, which is about uh, Richard Nixon's trip in the early 70s uh, to China. And this opera is about um, the hijacking of this cruise liner, Achille Lauro. It happened like in like 85 or something uh-huh. uh, where these Palestinians hijacked this cruise liner basically um, called the Achille Lauro. Um, and uh, so this opera is sort of concerned, you know, with um, – the stuff happening between Jews and Palestinians. And uh, it opens up with two choruses the chorus of the exiled Palestinians and the chorus of the exiled Jews sort of, um, you know, you have these choirs voicing their sides of the conflict. Um, Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. I don't know. What do you, what did you think of this? Well, I, I, when I first read about that, because it was it was my first time seeing it. I kind of looked at it on his website. I mean, you you, you get the the feeling obviously that he's trying to not pick sides, but you know, give a voice to to both sides because obviously that's a that's a thing that's been going on forever. Yeah, you know, and it's one of those those issues that you know it it, it may seemingly never be resolved. You know, right? And uh, you know that that's probably why uh, why he picked it because I. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the book where I, I'll see an album he'll pick from a certain artist and, and think to myself, you know, why did he pick that one, you know? <laughs> and uh, and because there could be another album that, that's obviously, you know, head and antlers above that one. But right. then when you start to look a little closer and you, you kind of see, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I, th- there may be something going on where you think, you know, I, I may have missed something or, you know, he figures, you know, we missed something and that's that's why he picked it. Yeah. 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 Great. I I love both of them, you know, and, you know, it's, it's definitely my, my first taste of what he, what he had done, you know, uh, over, you know, his career. And I, I I loved, uh, I love both of those records, both of those pieces, I should say. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, let's just go ahead and check out this first track, this excerpt that I pulled from, the Chorus of the Exiled Palestinians. Mm-hmm. 
That was the chorus of the Exiled Palestinians by John Adams from his uh, opera Death of Klinghoffer. And uh, so, like I said, that's what starts this opera, these two choruses, that one and the chorus of the Exiled Jews. And uh, what I'm going to play next is an excerpt from uh, the big aria in Act Two. So in uh, in opera and, you know, in conventional opera, there's always like the big aria that the, you know, usually the main character sings. That's sort of the central song, I guess, or whatever, of the opera. And uh, this is like an anti-aria. This is like, um, well, th- th- what this is, is um, this particular uh, track. It's called uh, The Aria of the Falling Body. And uh, to explain this a little bit, um, what happened on the Achille Loro and why it's called The Death of Klinghoffer is that uh, the Palestinian um, hijackers uh, murdered this one of the passengers, um, this Leon Klinghoffer, who was wheelchair-ridden. And uh, they kind of, I think, shot him and then um, disposed of his body by throwing it over the side I, of the boat. I, I vaguely remember hearing about that. And this, I mean, it was so long ago, but I... I think I remember that and how outraged people were, obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And um, this aria is sort of, it's it's Leon Klinghoffer singing the aria after the fact, so after he's been killed, um, almost like he's singing it out of body. And the music to it is kind of almost disturbing in a way because it's got these musical figures that are continuously falling and just continuously these falling figures, these falling musical lines. And uh, it's almost like paints this picture of falling in slow motion, kind of almost like a lament. Um, And uh, he's sort of lamenting and sort of commenting, you know, after the fact, after he's been killed. Um, So, yeah, you want to just check this out? <laughs> yeah, let's let's definitely listen to this. Yeah, so this is uh, from Act 2, Scene 2 of Death of Klinghoffer, John Adams' Aria of the Falling Body.
of tongue, good furniture. All right, that was Aria of the Falling Body uh, from the Death of Klinghoffer. And uh, yeah, let's um, let's move to something totally different from that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a that's a heavy one man to move yeah. to move on from but oh, yeah uh we're gonna move into johnny adams uh totally different guy um and uh his album the real me johnny adams sings doc pomus 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 yeah i think pomus yeah pomus. <laughs> um yeah so this one uh you know i i'd never heard of johnny adams and uh, uh, after reading about him, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I haven't heard of Doc Pomus either. Um, but uh, I sort of researched him, and um, Doc Pomus was a pretty major figure in um, pop music and yeah. in blues and rock and R and B and yeah, yeah. That that name was was vaguely familiar to me too. And and once you go through and look. Even though it was a while back, yeah, he he seemingly had you know a huge body of work and a huge influence, you know. Although, you know, like I said, it, I I really didn't know anything about him either, you know. Yeah, well, he seems to be have been uh, mostly a writer, like songwriter, and yeah. wrote a lot of really well known songs that became huge hits for a bunch of different people, um, starting. I think in the late fifties and into the early sixties. And he just kept kind of going from there. But, um, I'm, I have the feeling that even though, um, Johnny Adams, the singer on this, um, CD, great singer, great band. Um, I have a feeling that one of the major reasons that Tom Moon put this in here is because he wanted something in here from Doc Palmas mm-hmm. and there's no Doc Palmas album. You know what oh. I mean? Okay. That's the, that's that's the sense I got from I mean uh, this guy um was really really important and um uh almost helped shape uh American pop music. Yeah, know, really. Um but let's uh let's talk about I don't know, Johnny Adams. What do you think of this guy? Well, um as, as far as I can I can tell he he was one of those artists on Rounder Records, which is just one of those labels that produced so many, you know, blues artists in particular that that went on to be really successful. And um, I can remember seeing his his records, but not really knowing who he was, especially back when we you know were working in the music, you know, retailing business, and um, you know, just very good down to earth blues. Um, you know, I think he was he was born in New Orleans and, you know, he just kind of had that feel where when you listen to his his music, it's just like something you would hear in a very small club or cafe. And oh, yeah. A hole in the wall, as they would call it. And, you know, I, I, I love the sound of kind of blues mixed with with the gospel feel to it at times. And, you know, great singer, great voice. Um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, it's just one of those things that. You know, he he kind of, you know, had a, a nice following. And, and I, I believe now, you know, since he's he's passed on, you know, he's just one of those artists you, you don't really recognize as much until maybe he's gone, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, his he's got this fantastic band. I mean, they're uh, uh, 
based in New Orleans, and you can really hear the New Orleans in this band yeah. uh, and in um, his singing. But uh, let's just check out the first track that uh, we're going to play an excerpt from, Imitation of Love. So you want to say anything or just you want to just hear it? No, let's just get right into it. All right. So this is Johnny Adams, Imitation of Love. Imitation of Love uh, by Johnny Adams, and uh, of course, I want to say again, all this stuff are you know written by Doc Pomus, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I just man, I love this band. Um, it's got um, you know the, the one of the quintessential uh, New Orleans musicians that everybody knows, Doctor John on piano, and um, uh, you know we're both from Houston, Texas. And I went over to New Orleans plenty of times. Uh, I don't know how many times you've been over there, but not, not many. Um, but, uh, just, uh, obviously the, the influence of New Orleans, especially on the, on blues and, and, and jazz, you know, is just, is, is massive. You know, oh, yeah. and he was just one of those guys that, you know, he definitely had that, that feel to him, that, you know, New Orleans, you know, style and, you know, it was it was very distinguishable when you first listen to that 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 first song, especially the way the you know the the drum beat is and and even the bass line, just you know, very very New Orleans feel to it. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I mean, even before I read in this book, you know that um, that the band was from New Orleans, I just knew right away. It was just like. <laughs> Yeah, that's so New Orleans. Just kind of took me back, but um, yeah. So the next track we're going to play is "She's Everything to Me." This is definitely bringing on more of the gospel influence. Yeah, you know, I like I like this one a lot. Yeah, it's got that um, sort of churchy organ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's check it out. Um, Johnny Adams. Uh, from the real me, Adam sings Doc Pomus. She's everything to me. She 
She's not the smartest girl But she reads me like a book No matter what disguise I'm wearing She sees through every look She never backs off or hides From anything she could ever see She's the only thing That's everything I know that face may be Just another face to you But every line and wrinkle Says what I've put her through She tried to make me believe I could be anything I want to be All right, that was She's Everything to Me by Johnny Adams. And uh, anything you want to say about that before we move on to the next? Uh, Just, you know, one of those, you know, you know, giving up all all he felt about his woman, you know, that's, you know, something that cuts through everything, you know, especially if you if you've ever loved somebody, you know, I. That, that's the thing I loved about that song. You know, it just had a, a very truthy feel about it where he was just kind of confessing, you know, what he what he felt about his lady. You yeah. Know, that, 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 I like that one a whole lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one thing about um, Johnny Adams' voice, and I think that's one reason why Tom Moon picked this album is um, you can really get a sense that he's really feeling oh, yeah. these words because he's been through it all. And yeah. It's uh, yeah yeah exactly. It's got that that truth to it. Um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's move on to. Uh, you know, we're we're kind of moving from a singer that has uh, sort of been through life and sings with a real life experience to one that maybe, um, you know didn't have a lot of life experience, but sang about it anyway, Ryan Adams. Um, and uh, this is from his album Heartbreaker, released in uh, 2000. Um, you know, I I had heard a little Ryan Adams before this, uh, never anything from this album. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I like this album. Um, what do you think of it? Think I did, it? too. I was, I was really... Because like you said, I, I knew a little about him. The, the first thing that comes to my mind uh, when I hear his name is the, the video I, he did for a song. I want to say it's called New York, New York. And it it has him at the beginning of the video. Um, it looks like he's like on a bridge where you can see the, the World Trade Center buildings in the background. And he filmed that video maybe four days before uh, the 9-11 attacks. Oh, wow. And and I remember seeing the video maybe just a few, maybe a few weeks after that happened, and it was just really eerie. Because when I first saw it, I was like, "Is is this for real? You know, did yeah he superimpose that, or did he just? It was just by coincidence that he did that video, and then a few days later that happened. So that 
that forever galvanized my in in my memory, you know, my relation with his name and that that shot. And um, you know, I I think about him and and the, and the music he makes is it's very earthy, very kind of I guess it's like a mix of country and rock. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I was I was really kind of you know going through and thinking you know about a few people that he reminds me of uh, Paul Westerberg a little bit, a little Tom Petty, uh, maybe even a little Bob Dylan, where it's just somebody oh, in, yeah. in a small club. Everybody's drinking. There's a lot of smoke and. You know, it's it's just good, you know, rock and roll music. Yeah. Well, that's one thing, you know, that you can definitely go through this album and listen to every track. And then, you know, you can go through and say, OK, yeah, here's here's Bob Dylan. And, um, you know, like you said, here's Paul Westerberg. And here's uh, I mean, I even heard, you know, in some of the track, some Eagles and just, you know, the, it's just one of those albums that the his influences are very apparent yeah even though that one there's there's like an audio track where they're kind of discussing uh i think morrissey oh yeah yeah (laughs) right yeah yeah he's he's got a lot of stuff that he's into which you know that's that's pretty cool yeah um the the first thing that we're going to play is this very first track called um to be young is to be sad is to be high and this song for me was the most distinctive song meaning um sort of the most original song yeah. on the on the record uh it's a it's a really it's a great song i love it it is um, I, I like that one a lot too yeah it sort of captures um this uh just exactly what it's supposed to capture you know just this this young disillusion meant mm. <laughs> yeah uh and uh, it's got some surprise moments like sort of three quarters of the way through the music sort of switches gear into this real nice vocal harmony part. And, uh, yeah, just, I liked it a lot. A lot. Yeah. yeah. So, um, very, catchy, very catchy song. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let's check it out. Uh, to be young is to be sad is to be high. To be young is to be sad is to be high by Ryan Adams from his album Heartbreaker. And, uh, you know, I have to bring this up. 
Um, I have one criticism of this album. Okay. And don't get me wrong. I like the album. I really liked it as a whole. Um, but aside from this first track, um, To Be Young, uh, my criticism of it was that, I, I don't know, it was very derivative of other things. You know, I kind of felt like other people had already done this, you know, before. Okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, this is a sort of a, a very kind of derivative, even though I like the songs. I think they're good. Um, I don't know. That was, that was just, one. You get the feeling that you've heard it before. Yeah. Yeah. I just got the feeling like, oh, well, this is, this has kind of been done already. But okay. not that, you know, not that I thought it was bad, but, you know, that was one criticism that I, I kind of felt when I was listening to this album as a whole, you know, after the first track. Yeah. Um, do you do you agree or disagree? That, that, that could be a pretty honest criticism. I, I, I try to look at it in a light to where, you know, even though that that is the truth, which, you know, that especially for a, this type of music, for, for certain, that's true. You know, it, it's it's his voice, you know, and I, I just try to apply it to, you know, I haven't heard his voice yet. So I just, I just go with that. It's almost like someone driving a car, you know, you know, Cadillac is, you know, a car that's been around forever, but you know, if, if you've never driven one, it's, it's a new experience to you. So <laughs> right. I, I guess that's what I try to think of it as if that's a good analogy. I don't know if it is. Yeah. No, that's but, a good way to look at it. I think, I think that's, that's a great way to look at it. Because, you know, we, we, we talked about all the people that he reminds And he does. When I listen to his sound, he reminds me almost on every track that I'm like, man, that sounds like so-and-so. Uh, there's a guy, um, he was with a group called Driving and Crying. Uh, I want to say his name is Kevin Kinney. I mean, I, I hear him on this album, too, big time, where, you know, it, it, it it's one of those things, like you said, it's, 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 it's familiar, but it, it wasn't so to the point of where I, I felt, you know, bored when I listened to it, you know. Right, right, uh, right. Yeah, I never you know, felt bored, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's like I said, I mean, don't don't get me wrong, fans of Ryan Adams out there, I like the album. Yeah, so the next track that uh, we're going to play is, a little I, I just thought I'd pick something a little bit um different than the first track. And uh this track is called Call Me on Your Way Back Home. It's kind of a a very um intimate sort of ballad of longing, I would say. Um Yeah, what do you think of this track? Yeah, we you know, we we've all kind of been there where you you've got somebody on your mind that's not there with you and you know you just anticipate every moment that they're back with you. And, uh, you know, that, that's something I can definitely relate to. And, uh, you know, just it, good song, good arrangement, you know, no, nothing on this record is, is too complicated as far as what they're, what they're doing, especially musically. Um, and, and that's something like I, I can appreciate, you know, it, it's just a guy who, you, you know, he, he's listened to a lot of country and rock music and, uh, you know, try to put into, you know, his own perspective, you know, you know, what he wanted to say. And I, you know, that's, that's a good song, good, well-written song. Yeah, cool. 
So let's check it out. Um, Ryan Adams, Call Me On Your Way Back Home. Oh, baby, why do I miss you like I do? Oh, miss my sweet and the birds all singing blue. And why I, and why Call me on your way back home, dear Because I miss you Honey, ain't nothing new Oh, baby, why Did I treat you like I did Honey, I was just a kid Bubblegum on my shoe But you love me And I loved you Call me on your way back home that was Call Me On Your Way Back Home by Ryan Adams from his album Heartbreaker. And we're going to move on to the last album of episode number two, the Cannonball Adderley Quintet, um, their live album released in 1960 at the Lighthouse. Um, and this is like a wonderful uh just moment in jazz yeah. is all i can say yeah that, that's an understatement <laughs> yeah it is i mean you, it is an understatement um it's uh it's lucky that uh the the tape was rolling on this night because um the tunes are just pulled off uh flawlessly the soloing is just amazing on every mm. track Yes. Um, and they are just with it. They're right. just in the moment and, and it's just great. Yeah. Yeah. He he's one of those guys that uh you know, away from his his obvious talent of of, of playing and arranging, um I, I love to hear uh Cannibal Alley dialogue with his audience in between songs. I mean that's uh-huh. just things on on several of his records that I've always appreciated about him is is just his candor where he you know kind of expresses what's on his mind about whatever and you know I I love to hear him talk you know yeah well he's he and he kind of seems like just like a really nice cool dude yeah yeah you know as opposed to um stories you hear maybe about Miles Davis oh who was reputed (laughs) to be kind of a jerk but Yeah, yeah um but he, you know, it, it kind of comes through in his in uh, Cannonball's playing. Mm-hmm. You know, as uh, as Tom Moon said in his book, you know, it, there's a sort of you can almost hear or feel a smile or feel, you know hear this laughter coming through his lines, yeah. and yeah. you know they, they just sort of the group just sort of shines with joy on every track. Yeah, really. And, yeah, he's just he was just a, a guy that was extremely talented. Uh, I mean, he could he could go toe to toe with the best of them. I mean, especially listening to a lot of the stuff on on this set, 
I mean, a lot of it I really had never heard before. Most of the stuff that I know of him was, uh, you know, like, why am I treated so bad? And, 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 you know, mercy, mercy, mercy. You know, some of the songs are like staples of his. But, uh, you know, this, this is a great record. You know, just, I mean, you, you really get a feel of, of, of his talent, you know, I guess on the, what, what people call the, the hard bop level where, you know, he can just improvise and just go for hours and just play and play and you're just like man that guy's bad yeah 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 let's let's just get into the first track so we can just hear this um and i'm gonna play the beginning of big p off the album and uh, it starts with this just fast as hell super rocking walking bass line um that's just uh it's it, oh man it's just it's so awesome so full of energy and uh then we'll hear you know the main uh theme of the tune and then we're going to hear the first part of Cannonball himself the first part of his uh, improvisation so here is Big P uh by the Cannonball Adderley Quintet <laughs> That was Big P from the Cannonball Adderley Quintet at the Lighthouse. And uh, it's really cool uh, to just hear Cannonball Adderley in kind of his own house. Like what I mean by that is um, his own style sort of pervading the music. Um, You know, my first experience with Cannonball Adderley was through Miles Davis kind of blue which you know we're going to hear um later on because that's also in this book and uh kind of blue is an amazing amazing album but oh yeah um one of the interesting things about that album are its contrasts and you know because you have miles davis in his own soloing style and then the two saxophone players one of which is cannonball adderley the other one is john coltrane and uh, when you hear these two improvise side by side, man, you can really hear the difference between their styles. Huge. I mean, Adderley yeah. is, you know, sort of full of lyricism and inventiveness, uh, kind of throwing in uh, all kinds of uh, bebop lines and, and this sort of thing. And, and Coltrane 
he, he's just kind of all over the place, you know? Ah. Um, so, you know, you can hear this, this big, um, divergence of style. So in this, it's really, I think kind of consistent, um, yeah. and, uh, really kind of nice, you know, to hear, uh, y- yeah. So, so, uh, you kind of, um, suggested the next track Exodus. So what do you think of yeah. Exodus? Great. Very, very good. As far as you just hearing what, what he's capable of doing and, and just the feel of the band's chemistry or the, the group's chemistry where they, you know, can get to a point where the, the pace of the song is frantic, but never out of control, you know? And, uh, that's the one thing I love about Exodus. I, we, we kind of talked before we, we started the podcast. I mean, the, the first thing you think when you hear Exodus is, you know, either Bob Marley or, you know, the book of the Bible. And, you know, when you listen to the song, you, you don't really get the feel of either. It's it's a whole new thing. Or you think of a really bad 80s metal band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> but uh, great, great tune. I mean, it's. There's a lot to pick from uh, on this record as, as, as well as the, the previous one uh, uh, from Ryan Adams and just, uh, you know, awesome stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's check this out. This track uh, number two from At the Lighthouse by the Cannonball Adderley Quintet Exodus. Exodus by the Cannonball Adderley Quintet from their album At the Lighthouse. And um, I, I think that's a great way to uh, take out the show. I would have definitely rather taken out the show on that than the aria, the falling body, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, that does it for this show. Um, thanks again for joining me, Mitch. Hey, no problem. I'm, I'm having great fun doing this. Um, you know, good talking again. Uh, you know, look forward to the, the next one. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if uh, you guys out there and girls um, want to send us an email um, and berate me for my Ryan Adams hatred, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, you can send that to 1000recordingspodcast at gmail.com. That's 1000recordingspodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our web, uh, the, 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 the web site, website at uh, 1000rp.blogspot.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 1000rp, and you can join us on our page on Facebook. Um, and please do. And if you get a chance, if you like the show, hey, even if you don't like the show, um, take a couple minutes and leave us a review and a rating on iTunes, and that'll, that's going to help us a bunch. And, um, yeah, if we start um, getting your mails, we might read some on the air and respond to you guys. That's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it will too. Um, so until next time, everybody, uh, this is Anthony Landman and Mitchell Davis, and uh, we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye, folks. <laughs>